Hello and welcome to Gully Boys of Cricket, the voice of fans. I'm your host, Prakash Vatva. Gully Boys is a podcast where the fans are the experts, where fans can speak their mind with no holds. And also, let's keep share the trophy request to ICC Alive. In today's podcast, we have someone I met on social media a couple months ago. It was the day after the Cricket World Cup final. He was also quite vocal about the unfairness that happened. And of course, we chatted at that time, shared our views. And today, it's a pleasure to have Aaron Kumar with us on Gully Boys of Cricket. Oh, thanks a lot for having me, Prakash. Very, very kind of you. And uh, yeah, hello to everyone listening as well. Yeah, great to be on here. Thank you. Uh, it's a pleasure having you. And Aaron is joining us from England. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Aaron, your connection to gully cricket, if you can share some of your experience with us. As you say, grown up in England, but I've got my father's from India, my mum's from the West Indies, so quite a cricketing sort of a, um, heritage within one family, quite close to the game and as a fan, you know, for many years. And, you know, just really admire your sort of passion with what you've been doing with both the podcast and also with uh, with Share the Trophy. I think that's uh, fantastic because at the end of the day, you know, we, we all love this great game. We all love cricket. And, you know, what happened on that World Cup final, I think it really did leave a, a lot to be decided. We say it wasn't, it wasn't the finest moment, I don't think, anyway, for, for cricket. Fair play to England. They've, they've been doing very well for the last few years. No one's disputing that. that. That's not what this is about. But I think to have a draw and then to have a tired super over, it, it, fair play to you for what you've been doing. Fantastic work. Thank you, Aaron. Just for the listeners, as this podcast gets recorded, we are in the middle of the Ashes finale. The fifth test match is going on. England seems like has an upper hand at this point. In this podcast, we'll talk some about the Ashes, the perspective on how the series has unfolded. I'm really looking forward to hearing more from the English side of things. I mean, get a flavor from the streets, get a flavor from the offices, how the World Cup and this whole summer with the Ashes going on now is being looked upon. So being local to England, Aaron, tell us your perspective on how the series has unfolded. Yeah, it's an interesting one, um, Prakash, because if you look at sort of five, ten years ago, England put so much into their test team and white ball cricket was almost the, the sort of forgotten one, if you like. It was almost taken for granted that England weren't so strong in white ball cricket and they would have an early exit in the World Cup. But as long as they won the Ashes, all was okay. But this time around, it's almost gone the full circle. You know, after that exit in 2015 in the World Cup, where they lost to Bangladesh, they had four years built on the World Cup. Now, England haven't been that strong in Test cricket, especially even the West Indies. They went there and lost 2-1 um, quite recently at home. When the game gets a little bit tight, they are prone to collapses. I think four times in the last 18 months or, or year, they've been shot out for under 100, including in this series. The series itself, Prakash, I mean, if I'm honest, Smith has made such a massive difference. I mean, he's, he's incredible. I, I also think that it's more than just Steve Smith, though, Prakash, because you look at that third test in Headingley, yes, England won it, and it's probably one of the great innings by Ben Stokes, and we all know, know about that partnership with Jack Leach. But if we're being brutally honest with ourselves, that's probably once in a thousand that England would get over the line in that game of Headingley. Yes, Steve Smith played a difference, but Australia as a whole of being the stronger side, they could easily be 3-0 up now um, with, the, with the series already won. It looks like they're probably going to lose this last game, which I think would be disappointing to them because they would have really loved to have won an Ashes in England the first time in 18 years. But ultimately, you come here to get the Ashes and 
that they've done that. Um, there's no boundary count here or anything like that. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I think that'll be fine. <laughs> so that's an excellent overview of how England feels about the Ashes. You talked about how the English team transformed itself in, in the white ball cricket uh, starting four years back after what happened in the previous World Cup. You know, does it, uh, especially with the coach uh, Trevor Bayliss leaving after this game, does that make a point uh, that it may be time to press a reset button in test cricket also? I mean, I think Michael Vaughan made a really good point the other day that what they don't want to now do is compromise that their white ball cricket having got such a great team. Yes, test cricket's important. But there's a couple of wider points, um, Prakash, which you're absolutely right. I mean, first of all, yes, Trevor Bayliss is going, but do they want to get one coach that does it all? And and then that'll be that'll be a strange one because Bayliss has got such a great record around Australia and obviously here in white ball cricket, not as strong in first class as we're seeing in Test. It's mental, you know. A lot of these England players have all the ability, but they're just trying to be on this front foot, play positive. And in Test cricket, you know, what we're seeing, you've seen what Stokes has done, what Steve Smith has done. You can be positive even in defence. It's just a whole mindset. As Vaughan was saying, it's very difficult to see how because Test cricket and white ball cricket are further away probably than they've ever been. And for a coach to one week come in and say, right, I want you to play on the attack. Let's aim for 400 or, you know, whatever it is. And then the next week, I want you to leave the ball. It's very difficult nowadays almost for that coach to get. And I could see that point actually, especially with the way England have been playing. It is, it, it, it is a tricky one. And as for the as for the cap, Luke's captaincy has left a lot to be desired in this series. But there isn't really a clear uh, alternative who could who could take that spot. I mean, there's even been I know Butler did very well in the first innings. There've been questions about his place. He's essentially batting at number seven without being a wicketkeeper. So, so you you do see Root continuing after this series on the New Zealand tour. Do I think he should? Probably not. I don't. I think the captaincy, in my opinion, he's, he's a world-class batsman, and his, his conversion rate has not been anywhere near that since. Um, you know, I think he he is some way behind, not in talent, but in terms of what he's been producing. Putting him back up to number three as captain. So I think in an ideal world, no, you probably wouldn't have him as captain. But in terms of who else is there that's actually holding that down their spot in the side consistently, I think they probably will have to stick with him just through lack of options, really. From that perspective, we can see this uh, final test match, even though Australia has retained the Ashes, this was actually quite a critical test match for Joe Root's captaincy. England seems to be doing pretty good, but in case you know Australia had an upper hand and Australia wins the series, it could turn out quite different for Joe Root's captaincy future. I completely agree with you, Prakash. I think Australia win this match or even draw the match and come out with a series win, but especially if they won it and get a 3-1 series win, which would have been quite comprehensive. I think Root would have been in real trouble. Then. Perhaps you could argue, as I think you alluded to, England losing to Bangladesh in 2015. But I think if they come away with a 2 um, yes, they would have not got the ashes. But I think they accept it's a young team that needs changes. I, I think they'll see that as a, something they can, they can build on and move forward with. Yeah, and, and you made a great point there uh, with Michael Vaughan's um, comment. You know, these different formats of cricket have never been wider apart than this moment. We could be seeing more and more special players, special coaches for different formats. Right now, it's just one for all, which may not uh, work as we get more and more of this shorter format of cricket. Now, especially with the 100, I wonder if you are for the 100 or not for the 100. Yeah, I was just going to come on to that, actually, Frank. I'm not for it at all. And I'll tell you why. 
normally in this country, one-day cricket is not something that's really given that much time to. It's seen as the, the appetizer, if you like. You know, the main course is always test cricket. Whereas this year, it's been a little bit different. Okay, let's share the trophy. Yes, I mean, the final was a bit of a fast, but the actual tournament, you know, captured a lot of people's imagination and so forth. But I feel that in this country, there's a real push to try and make sure test cricket stays popular. You know, we've got had county cricket T20 for a number of years. I think we were the first to actually have it before anyone else. But yet, they never really embraced the idea of franchise T20 cricket, which is obviously very popular in India, in Australia, now in the Caribbean with the CPL. So to finally do it, it's fantastic. But then to go and have yet another format, which is even shorter technically than T, makes no sense to me at all. I've got a lot of respect for Shane Warne, legend, but and he's going to be coaching the London team. But he himself said uh, about a year ago, he, he didn't understand the, the, the need for having another format. But yeah, I guess they've got their reasons. But it seems strange when you're trying to really promote test cricket. I must say one thing. I don't know what it is, but there is something special about the English fans watching test cricket because we don't see that kind of crowds anywhere else in the world. We just had the India-West Indies series and yes. the stadiums were practically empty. Yes. Is it the culture? Is it the tradition that brings those crowds to the test matches or is it competitive cricket? What What is it that England does special which the world can learn? I think, to be honest, I think there's a couple of things here. I mean, a lot of it is the market value of the tickets. I know for a fact when I went to the World Cup in the West Indies, 2007 I mean the tickets were extraordinarily expensive for, for a local you know they, they were almost charged sort of like US or UK which, which was very difficult the passion is there but it, it wasn't as accessible so there, there is that side of things but I, I also think that with test cricket in this country they do really well there's no doubt about it you're right the grounds are packed but yeah a lot of the people that come are regular cricket fans you know who follow test cricket and that's fantastic but I also think the way Test cricket is here. It's also seen as um, a day out. Lots of people I speak to, oh no, we don't follow cricket, but yeah, we'll go have a few beverages or whatever and we can talk. And To be honest, it's good. You know, if, if that means that people are going to watch a game and then their, their son or their daughter is going to take an interest or their friends, you know, to be honest, we, we love the game, so we just want to grow it. So that, 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 I think, but I think that's really what it is. I think people don't necessarily feel they have to be a cricket fan to to come to test feel that they can actually have a, have a good time with it. I believe that is one thing that uh, the world can learn from uh, England. You have the same games or same teams playing elsewhere in the world. You fail to get the crowds. And, you know, that's one of the points, I believe, uh, why ICC is pushing this World Test Championship and the points. I don't know if uh, that's uh, enough to bring in the crowds, but... I think there is something which um, we can all admire and learn from England. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're bang on about the ICC. We, we give them a little bit of stick at times, but at least what they're trying to do, whether it works or not, remains to be seen. But I think what they're trying to do with this World Test Championships is, um, is admirable because the Ashes, yes, it's fantastic. It's England, Australia. But without being disrespectful, I mean, you take Steve Smith out, you look at these current England, Australia sides, Neither would be right at the top of the rankings yet because of this Ashes tradition, which I respect, you know, and I know it's important for England and Australia. But to fans outside of that, it is just a bilateral series. I'm not trying to, you know, do down the Ashes in any way. For me, every Test series is important for that country. I think what this does really emphasises that. It really puts an importance. You know, your India West Indies is important. It does give that context, which I think is really, really important, and, and it's right for fans. It, I personally find it quite irritating when, when I'm told that the Ashes is the pinnacle of Test cricket. No, it's not. It's the pinnacle 
in terms of it might have the most tradition and something like that. It doesn't make it the most difficult series to win, though. I, I must add, uh, as a as a non Englishman, that I still admire what Ashes is doing for Test cricket. It, sure. it basically is bringing Test cricket alive. I was alluding to the India West Indies series, and if we compare it to the mm-hmm. Ashes, you know, Ashes had the attention of the world. You know, everybody is watching Ashes, whether you are in India or Pakistan or Australia, England. There is something about that series, some sort of X factor, which is just pulling. I do agree with you. I completely agree with you. But do you not feel that a small part? And I, I, you're not wrong. There, there definitely is, and that's only a good thing for the game. But what I do feel, and this is why maybe I'll be right, maybe I'll be wrong, I don't know. But with the Test Championship, I just feel it gives other... Like, say if a young kid in the West Indies is watching the Ashes or a young kid in India, they want to aspire to play Test cricket, but they're never going to get to play in an Ashes. But at least let them have the opportunity to play in a te- aspire to play in a Test match for India, for the West Indies, for South Africa, wherever they're from. That's think it's a good thing at least let them be inspired by the ashes but then let them have their chance to you know have their own version of it or let them have their own moment in, in a way absolutely i i completely agree with you and i'm sure with due time uh, icc will get better with the point system get be- better yes. in context because we just had the afghanistan bangladesh <laughs> test match yeah. irrelevant from the wtc point of view so Bangladesh lost the match. If Afghanistan was in there, it would have gotten, what, 120 points out of that single match. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think that they do need to look at the way that's done. And I think hopefully with time, they'll, they'll sort of work out the best. To, yeah, that, there is a lot to be said for that. As you say, one man is the equivalent of winning the Ashes. You'd almost have to win the Ashes 5-0, wouldn't you, to get that, which doesn't seem a, a fair trade-off. But I'm sure, as you say, they'll, they'll look at ways to get around that. I was going to ask you, Ashes or World Cup, and you sort of said that um, Ashes is not the pinnacle of cricket. I should qualify that. that. That's my opinion. But having spoken to a lot of English friends and, and people who, who I know support the England cricket team, a lot of them have said to me, yes, it's great that we won the World Cup, very happy about it, but really hope this doesn't take away from our testing. You know, really hope because, you know, that is still the main format of the game. So many have said that, which I was quite surprised about. And I think that's one thing I've always found a bit confusing in this country. It's, it's like we went back to the coaches and will they have one or two? It's that either this or that mentality. It was the same when they were very good at test cricket now, vice versa. But you look at the Australian mindset. I know they have maybe had more players to pick from, but they were winning Ashes and World Cups for fun, weren't they? For years and years and years. And maybe they could look at what, what Australia were doing in all those years. And, and, and maybe I, I appreciate they were one of the greatest sides ever, you know, but there, there must have been something in their mentality that they were doing. I think there has been very much a, a mentality for the last four years that, you know, the World Cup's the one that really matters. And, you know, you win the World Cup and then 10 days later, you're bowled out for 88 by, by Ireland, or 85, or whatever it was. You know, I, I just think that there was that much put on it that it kind of, it was very difficult to kind of emotionally stay up for it. Not, but that's not to take anything away from Australia. I think they have been the better side over the whole series. As time goes on, I believe uh, you're talking the players and the coaches' side of thing, it may be true for the fans as well. I mean, there would be fans always for test cricket and there would be fans who would maybe just love the T20 cricket. They may not never get the idea of test cricket. I, I think we have to just respect and accept what uh, anyone loves. But at the end of the day, I think uh, the world admires the Ashes and we are grateful to the Ashes and all the players who are playing in it that they are keeping test cricket alive. You take the ashes out and everything gets so bland as far as test cricket is concerned. Let's move our discussion to the World Cup a bit. Yeah. As I said, you know, we are so fortunate to be talking to you 
This is the first voice we are hearing from England who can give us a perspective, who can give us an idea. So tell us how, how are the office conversations or, you know, talking to your friends, how do people see that victory as? Do you feel complete? I know it's a victory after 44 years, but do you think somewhere deep inside you that maybe sharing or the New Zealand has been hard done, even though it was not England's fault? And as you said, no. not take anything away from your victory. I, I didn't think the thing was fair. I thought it should have been a shared trophy because you go back to something. Had, two, had the, the World Cup final been washed out and the reserve day, the ICC provisions were, you know, we, we have a shared trophy. That, that's what would have happened had, had both days been rained off. Now, to me, you have a tired match. You then have a tired super over. I, don't, I just don't see how... I mean, for the England players as well, I know they had to celebrate out on the park and stuff like that. But deep down, that, that's not the way you want to win a World Cup. You know, you haven't, you haven't actually won it. You've tired it. It's just, you asked me about conversations in the office. It was quite interesting because obviously... I'm, a, I'm an Indian cricket fan. I, you know, I support the Indian team, but you know, I, I love good cricket. Um, so I thought, oh, India are out in the semis, you know, to New Zealand. So obviously, England have won the World Cup. There's going to be a lot of, you know, there wasn't really. There, there really wasn't. I think they're happy they won it, but I honestly got the sense people were almost a little bit embarrassed to win it that way. Um, I spoke to a few friends, you know, who were really big England cricket fans out, outside of work and just in life and. The only thing one said was, I'm just glad that we beat New Zealand in, in the group stage. So a lot of people just really, of course, I'll take the victory, you know, this, but they, they just didn't, it just didn't feel like a win as such. So even I watched a couple of interviews with some of the England players on TV from over here and they weren't gloating or anything. It was almost they were trying to explain what happened. It was, it was strange, really. That's a very human reaction that you're explaining because if, you're, if you were watching the game, it just did not feel right. And talking to people, if it was not New Zealand, things would have been very different. Completely agree. And to be honest, you're trying to, we talk about trying to promote the game and widen the game. How can you really, you know, to, to a kid watching it or to a kid in 20 or 30 years' time, you know, you're talking about England won the World Cup in 2019. They didn't win the match and there was a, there was a tiebreaker and they tied that as well. But they, it's very hard to see how a match like that is actually going to attract new fans. Whereas actually, in terms of promoting sportsmanship, and in promoting what cricket's about, okay, you can argue that they share the trophy is not in some people's eyes, but I think at least that there's a logical, it's a logical conclusion. Ross Taylor himself said he shook the umpire's hands and he assumed that was what was going to happen. He was quite surprised when there was a super. And to me, you know, the whole super over thing, Prakash, it's a what I think that is the problem. We go back to yes, there's different formats. Yes, I think we embrace fans that like any format because it's cricket. But I think we have to be careful not to murky the waters because a super over has always been a thing for a, for a T20. You know, IPO, you get a tie and it's, it's good entertainment. But for me, 50 overs, the beauty of it is, yes, it's a white ball game, but it's long enough to really test out a player's skill. Almost it's like a hybrid between T20 and, and a test match. So to have that decided on a super over was a bit rough. And look, it's... I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I think share the trophy absolutely all the way. But I do think if they weren't going to do that, they could have at least... Because in football, you have a penalty shootout, don't you? But if the penalty shootout's level, you keep going to a sudden death. To, uh, in, and it's a really harsh way for someone to lose. But at least there is a clear winner by the rules of what that is. Imagine in football, the penalty shootout was level. And then what you've done is the side that had the most possession back in the match, you award the world. Can you imagine if a World Cup in football was one like that? 
you know, reminds me of what Jimmy Nisham said in one of his interviews, exactly the point you're mentioning, that they should have, uh, if they really want to have the super over in ODIs, they should have just continued having it and maybe have like three different players come in. So the three mm-hmm. players who have participated in the first super over, they're not allowed to take part in the game anymore. But have a super match, like a five over match, you know, that's more representative. Absolutely. You know, that gives us a great sense. But how much do you think the English fans at this point understand the idea of uh, sharing their victory? I think some do. I think there's some that are really, really almost embarrassed and they, they don't see it as a win. I think, unfortunately, like with any of these things, when there is that victory, you know, I think a lot of people that perhaps weren't fans or weren't, it's great that we want to attract new fans, but we get, you know, in any sport, we get people that jump on a bandwagon. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of those are like, well, we won it fair and square, you know, it's our, and but they want and you but you know in life it's, it's difficult to debate with certain people but I think there are definitely a lot of people you know a lot of people I've spoken to that I can see on the internet and social media mm-hmm. whether they would go as far as saying they want to share it that's that's a different question but certainly that I think it w- would accept that you know it wasn't fair and it wasn't right I mean I've heard people say oh yeah ICC will probably change it for next time well I'm sure they will but the thing is. I mean, what are the odds on that happening again? The odds on getting a tied World Cup final and then it's... I don't know. If you put money on that, the odds would have been extremely long. So it almost doesn't really matter. If I, Yes, of course it does because you don't want it to happen again. But I think you almost still need to look back at this. And, and, and you know, there is precedent for results being changed. Um, let's not forget Pakistan many years ago walked out against England and that was later sort of downgraded to a defeat for them. So I, I do think, you know, this campaign is a fantastic thing that you've all done. For, as you said, it almost feels a bit unfair on New Zealand. Um, not just the result, the fact they're a small country, perhaps don't have the clout within the ICC as some of the others. And you almost feel that if they had been in India or in Australia or in England, would this be different? And, and, and you, almost, you kind of think perhaps it would have been. And I must add here uh, what Kane Williamson recently said to ICC that uh, the guys are still feeling it. They're still trying to make sense of it. You know, weeks after the World Cup, we are pretty certain here that the ICC at some stage in the future is going to take out that super over from ODI knockouts or take out that boundary rule. But how about what happened? Be able to remove that uh, question mark or you can say a star from English victory that they won under these circumstances. Absolutely agree with you. Because, I mean, I think the thing is, A, it's what New Zealand deserve, and B, I think this is the key point. As it stands now, it's almost not fair on England. You know, because India have won two World Cups, West Indies two, Australia have won five. Yes, in the books, England have won one. But the problem is, you, you go on social media, and even a lot of criticizing legends around the world, a lot of people don't see England as the rightful standalone winners, if you like. There's that aspect, unfortunately, and it's not their fault, but that's just how it is, unfortunately. Any final message for the English board or ICC or who, in your view, can really take an initiative here? Is it starting from English side? Is it starting from ICC? What is your take on that? It's a good question, isn't it? Because they've almost passed the buck a little bit. It's very hard to see the English board doing it because, I mean, I thought Ashley Jar's comments were the ordinary, to be honest. I mean, the way he was just like, oh, well, the World Cup's ours now. We've got it in our locker room. Yeah, that's great. You've got the World Cup in your locker room, but you completely ignored. And I think that's the mentality, not just Jar's, but I think in general, we need to get out of in sport and in cricket. 
it's quite childish when we resort to, oh, well, it's mine now. You know, that's, that's, that is like what we talk about gully cricket, isn't it? Just pick up your bat and go home because it's your bat. Like, that's not what we want. Yes, you've got the cup, but let's look at how you got it, you know, through a tired match and then through a tired super over. So I think the onus, unfortunately, is probably on England. Uh, I think this goes beyond cricket, to be honest, Brekesh. This is not just a result that hasn't gone right. This is not really justice. You know, I don't think this is justice what happened. What happened was a bad advertisement for cricket, you know, and it's, it's, it's not justice for one of the teams that don't have the same clout. With, and that, to me, is not right. That's not how you want a World Cup decided. So, But I think if it's just left down to the ECB, I'll have doubts. But you never know. Look, who knows what could happen? In the World T20, if England are on the receiving end of something similar, you know, you just hope that as fans we keep speaking up and support what we believe. And I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer in that. That's very well said, Aaron. And I, I want to remind everyone who is listening that ICC had taken off umpire Wilson in the middle of the ashes within a month of his appointment in the elite panel. And that, in many ways, is the pressure that the boards and the voices and the fans were building on ICC since the World Cup. Absolutely. It's just an example that, uh, you know, all the voices, whether they are on social media or other places, they make a difference. We have to hope that ICC at some point feels that morally through all the voices, whether it is the fans, uh, the bigger players, the boards. Cricket World Cup 2019 final, the case is still open. We need to address it. Absolutely right. Thank you so much, Aaron. This has been such a nice conversation. I'm sure people who are listening would also appreciate hearing something from the English home, I should say. This is what uh, an English fan feels about uh, the World Cup. This is what he feels about the Ashes. And this is what he feels that uh, should be done with what happened on July 14, 2019. It's been great. Thank you so much for, you know, for your time. And for, I really enjoyed spending time with you on, on the show today. And this, this has been amazing, Aaron. It was such a pleasure talking to you. All the listeners, you can also be a gully boy. Simply contact us. Talk about your ideas, experiences, and also your thoughts on sharing the trophy. Thank you so much for listening to Gully Boys of Cricket. We'll see you next time.